0: Oh, fiddlesticks, that was very close. If anyone is listening to this, my name is Martin Johnson and I'm an investigative journalist working for RTL Today. I'm about to blow the f***ing lid of a massive global conspiracy about oats, which I think is controlled by the International Honey and Cinnamon Mafia, or it might be Bill Gates, or it could be just a union of farmers or something, I, I really don't know who's behind it to be honest. But whoever it is, they've got a lot of money, and a heck of a lot of power, and they are on to me. I'm currently being chased by a group of armed men, uh, or unusually large women, it's-, it's hard to tell with the tactical armour they're wearing. None of them are over 5'10 or 178 centimeters or so, which is fairly short for a man, if you ask me. But if they are women, they've got impressive shoulders, or it could be padding. I was never a big fan of the power suits women wore in the 80s, nor men's suits with padded shoulders, for that matter. There's nothing powerful in lying about your shoulders. It, It makes you look weaker, if anything, like when Sarkozy stood on that box to look taller. Whatever gender they are, they've got guns, and they are right behind me. They've been chasing me for well over two kilometers now, and my feet are sopping wet. I had to run through some ankle-high grass earlier, and it rained this morning, so my socks are absolutely dripping, and it's very uncomfortable. Oh, I, I can feel a- I can feel a blister developing on my left heel from all this chafing already. It's it's torture. Oh. Oh, sweet Jesus, I, I think they just shot a duck. What an utter waste of a perfectly good bird. Oh, I hope it didn't have a family. I mean, I, I don't want it to have lived a lonely life, but I hope it was an old duck in suffering from depression following the death of all of its family members. Maybe its kids stopped visiting after they'd had chicks of their own, or maybe its duck's son turned into a bit of a prick after marrying into a wealthier duck family or something. Note to self, check if it's duck hunting season and call the Nature and Forest Agency on them if it's not okay if you're listening to this it's it's possible that i'm already dead my only chance now is to sprint 500 meters to my car which will give them a clear shot if you find this recording i urge you to continue my investigation oh okay johnson okay martin here we go three two one and run martin go running oh. Running. Oh, it's going fast. I'm going fast. My legs are running. This is speed. I'm running very fast. Oh. <laughs> Safely locked away is impenetrable. Aerodynamically perfect 2013 Citroen C4 Picasso. Martin took off as bullets bounced straight off the chassis. Hello and welcome to The Oatcast, a limited-series podcast in which I explore the utterly baffling fact that we live in a time where we've sent a robot to Mars, yet people still eat porridge like it was 1623. The dramatic recording you heard at the top of this episode was from earlier this week, when I found myself chased by either short men or broad-shouldered women with guns. You will no doubt remember that last week's episode saw me pulling back the metaphorical curtains on an equally metaphorical window with one heck of a view. That view, of course, was a massive conspiracy, which I now appreciate isn't really something you could see even out of a metaphorical window, which makes this a rather confusing introduction. Not really sure where I was going with that, but... well, it, it doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is that i found solid evidence for what is, without doubt, the biggest conspiracy the world has ever seen. The episode ended with me trying to call the only historian brave enough to tell the truth about oats and porridge, the author of the rather unimaginatively named book Oats, A Conspiracy. But someone had got to him before me, and his phone line had been disconnected. Now, following the release of that episode, I immediately went back to the library to read the rest of Oates, A Conspiracy. And I have to say that an odd feeling settled over me as soon as I approached the library. It was as though some part of me, probably the part that is a seasoned journalist, could tell that something was wrong. Unfortunately, the part of me that was currently in charge of making decisions assumed that I just had an upset stomach from the soft-boiled egg I had devoured for breakfast. And it has to be said that I did devour that egg, like an absolute animal. I know there are people out there who get pumped for the day by listening to techno music, doing yoga, going for a run, or looking into the mirror and telling themselves that they are going to kick the world solidly in its behind today. Those people are massive weirdos, and neither technique works. If you really, truly want to get pumped for the day, what you need to do is summon your inner animal whenever you eat. I've completely forsaken cutlery and will grab fistfuls of food that I violently shove into my maw and chew with my mouth open. And doing so makes me feel like a freaking bear. Just unstoppable. But it does make things pretty awkward at the RTL canteen for lunch. It also makes eating soup an absolute non-starter. I don't know if you've ever tried to scoop piping hot cream of tomato soup into your face using your bare hands, but it is an absolute disaster. Well, anyway, back to the library. Not wanting to waste any time, I went immediately to the porridge section where last I had found their copy of Oats, a Conspiracy, but it wasn't there. Knowing how utterly useless librarians tend to be, I spent the better part of three hours scouring the entire building for any trace of the book, but to no avail. What I did find was the book about the missing parrot from episode 1, and since I hate leaving things unfinished and really did want to know what had happened to Polly, I decided to grab it before heading down to speak to one of the librarians. In case you're also wondering where Polly had gone, she had simply popped out an open window and flown off to a zoo where she met another parrot, this one living under much worse conditions. The young lad that owns Polly ended up whining to his mum until she offered to buy the second parrot for what I can only assume was an absolutely extortionate amount of money, and they lived happily ever after. Absolute drivel. I'd give it one out of five slices of marmite-covered toast, or five full bowls of soggy oats. Anyway, I've gone off on a tangent again, so as soon as I saw the librarian, I could tell that he was every bit as arrogant as he was bespectacled, and there was no hiding the fact that he wore massive glasses. I mean, it's always difficult to hide that you're wearing glasses, but his were truly monstrous. Now, I didn't particularly like this librarian, and knowing that this podcast has a pretty substantial listener base and that appearing on it could propel him to fame, I've decided not to use my recording of our conversation. Instead, I've replaced his voice with that of a computer. This meant that I had to engage in the questionable art form of acting, and that is not one of my stronger points, and there's a good reason for that, which is that I'm an investigative journalist of the highest order and not a tights-wearing simpleton paid to recite lines written for me by someone else. Anyway, here is how our conversation went. Hello, I'm looking for Oats, a conspiracy by Professor... I saw it here yesterday evening, but I can't seem to find it today. Oats. A conspiracy? Yes. We don't have it. Right, so you mean someone's, someone's borrowed it already? No, I mean we don't have it in our system. But, I, I mean, I did literally read it in here yesterday. Are you sure you didn't bring it from home? Am I? Am I? Well, yes, of course I'm bloody well sure I didn't bring it from home. Why, why would I bring a book from home and then read it in your toilet? Why wouldn't I just read it in the comfort of my own lavatory? We went on like that for a good 30 minutes as he became obsessed with the question of why one would read a book in the bathroom, and I found myself explaining its many obvious virtues. I mean, the the lighting in toilets is always perfectly dispersed as the surface area of the room tends to be quite small, you've got a comfortable seat which also allows you to empty your bowels and or bladder without having to put your book down, there's a sink with fresh tap water, and if you're anything like me, you've got an ample supply of snacks right next to the spare loo rolls. I mean, it's simply the perfect setup, and if your toilet doesn't double as your office, you are doing something wrong. Anyway, I eventually told him that I had to go and made my way outside. And that's when it happened. As I was walking back towards my car, inconveniently parked several blocks away as I was wearing my new running shoes and wanted to see how they'd handle a vigorous three-kilometre walk under less-than-perfect meteorological conditions. A black van pulled up by the library entrance. Four armed individuals in full tactical gear jumped out and within seconds they'd pull the librarian outside so he could show them who he'd just been talking to. His pudgy hand flew into the air with the speed of a seasoned tattletale and pointed right at me. Bastard. Now, as someone who goes for a solid 20-minute jog at least once a month, my well-trained legs knew what to do long before my mind had taken it all in, and I was running. With the speed of an animal that runs just a tad faster than your average human male and graciousness of a dressage horse, I set off to find cover as their guns took aim or rather as they took aims with their guns. These were not self-aiming guns, but the standard kind that you would have to aim yourself at whatever it is you want to shoot. And in this case, what they wanted to shoot was me. As you know from the intro, I made it back to my car and sped off home. Opening the door of my apartment, I was greeted by the horrendous, if homely, stench of my 12-year-old dog's breath, a scent which really knows how to fill a room, but also by something I hadn't expected. A message on my phone answering machine. The author of Oats A Conspiracy had heard my last episode and reached out. I'm actually about to record an interview with him right now, but you won't get to hear that until next week. For now, stay safe, stay off the oats, and stay socially distanced. Thank you this week to the guy who sounds like Sam Elliott. The intro and outro music is by Purple Planet. No ducks were harmed in the making of this episode. Alright, goodbye.